Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. What happened last night? I'll tell you exactly what happened last night. Something had to give last night, right? Something had to give. Like we all know, Jets are going to Jets. Chargers are going to Charger. So exactly what was going to happen? I should have known that there was an even more miserable force at play last night. I should have never underestimated the Coog Hunter by overestimating the Coog Hunter. That was my mistake. The big head, James Kelly, knew better. Myself, I got burned. Like, I would love to give Zach Wilson some credit this morning. Unfortunately, he earned zero credit this morning. And look... I know their O-line is jacked up. I know they're having trouble running the ball. I know Nate can't hack it is calling plays. I've heard all of these excuses over and over and over again. But there are no amount of excuses for the Coog Hunter that excuse the Coog Hunter's latest pitiful performance. Aaron Rodgers would have given them a better shot last night on one leg in streets. Hell, I think Alvy running around back there for the Jets would have given the Jets a better chance than the Coog Hunter. It felt like absolutely anybody would have given them a better chance last night. The only offensive positive for the J-E-T-S was that Aaron worked out on the field again. And then MNF cameras caught him telling Derwin James after the game that he's, quote, a few weeks away. Derwin James asked him, so when are you coming back? And Aaron said, few weeks. Hey, look, I'm no doctor. I'm no doctor, but I don't need to be a doctor to know that that is the biggest lie ever. But I wish it weren't. I wish it were true because that offense is utterly unwatchable right now. Utterly unwatchable right now with the CH. With the CH, it is straight torture. It's like searing pain. Searing pain every time that they have the ball. And can you imagine if we're all this fed up with the Jets' offense? Imagine how fed up the Jets' defense must be with the Jets' offense. A Jet defense, which, by the way, played another great game last night. You never know it by the final score, But trust me, that defense was awesome again. And now even Jet offensive players are admitting it's getting sketchy up in there. It's getting tougher and tougher to look their defensive teammates in the eye after all these horrendous offensive drives. Check out star Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson said as much after the game. It's getting to the point where it's disappointing. You know, I hate coming off the field, looking our defense in the eyes and knowing that we got to send them back out there after three and out. You know, them boys are my dogs. They come out and, and ball. They put us in a great position. It's time for us to start returning the favor, man. And um, it's, it's time. You know, we got to figure it out. He said, quote, it's time. Garrett, my dude, you're a stud. You're an absolute stud. But actually, it's way past time, my dude. The Jets have been stuck in the exact same mode essentially since the second Aaron went down. And he went down four snaps into the season. I don't care that they somehow managed to win four games. Because the offense has got nothing to do with it. They're horrible offensively. They're horrible in the red zone. They're horrible on third down. The CH missed guys who were wide ass open consistently. 
I mean, I don't think we were five seconds into that broadcast last night before Troy Aikman was saying something to the effect of, if you're an NFL quarterback, you can't miss that throw. You can't miss that throw. NFL quarterbacks simply never miss that throw. And Wilson misses that throw all the time. It's now been a whole half season. And we're still having the same exact conversation. The same exact discussion about that offense and that team. Like Bob Sala can't even get away with saying that the defense humiliated another star quarterback because that's actually true. Justin Herbert had arguably his worst game as a pro. 16 of 30, 136 yards, no touchdowns. But you tell me what's uglier. What's uglier? That stat line, which is but ugly, or limiting the starting quarterback to that stat line and still getting blown out in prime time in your own house by a team trying to get back to 500. I mean, can the Jets really afford to keep running the Coug Hunter out there? Can they really afford to keep doing what they're doing? And apparently, according to Bob Sala, the answer is yes. Because according to Bob... Well, that wasn't Wilson's best game, it certainly was not his worst game. One of those bizarre games that just every time we had momentum, uh, like I said, just a self-inflicted wound. Uh, wound. Uh, was it his best game? Obviously not. Was it his worst game? No, I'm not going to say it was even close to his worst game. <laughs> I mean, hey guys, it's windy out here. Hey guys, my man could be so much worse than that. You think that's bad? You think that's bad? Hey, guys, you think that's bad? He can be so much worse than that. Are you kidding me? You think that's bad? That does not begin to scratch the surface of how bad my guy can be. Hey, Bob, the only thing bizarre about that game is what you said after that game. Oh, and your beard. Well, what was that? Supposed to be some sort of compliment? No, that was not his best game, but hey, come on now. That was far from his worst game. And that line about how that was really a bizarre game. Like every time we had momentum, Zach killed it. Except that's not bizarre at all, right? That's pretty much exactly what you'd expect from Zach. That's what he does. What's bizarre about that ass-kicking, Bob? Nothing. Except your beard. Your beard was bizarre. Your beard was weird. If you're trying to get us to look away from the train wreck on the field and look at that train wreck on your face, it worked. And don't get me wrong. You're still a Dodonis. He looks like a Dodonis. Look it, look it, look it, look it. Look it, look it, look it. He looks like a Dodonis. Look it, look it, look it. Look it, look it. He's a Dodonis with a weird beard. Look it, look it. He looks like a Again, if you're trying to get us to look away from that train wreck on the field and get us to look at that train wreck on your face, it worked for about a minute. Look it, look it. Look it, look it, look it. And Bob, don't worry about keeping that receipt. I mean, dude, you're still a Dodonis. You look like a million. Except for that weird beard. Listen, L.A. had the worst pass defense in the league coming into this game. It's not like we were asking Wilson to work a miracle against the 2,000 Ravens here. We were just looking for a serviceable game against a terrible pass defense, and clearly that was asking way too much, as it always is with this guy. How does everybody else in the world understand that except for the Jets brass? 
And I don't want to hear that it wasn't his worst game ever. And I don't want to hear that he's so much more improved. And I don't want to hear about how much he's changed. And I'm glad that he's actually feeling more confident. The problem is that confidence is not translating into actual offense. It's not showing up. So I don't want to hear it, not even from the CH himself. I feel like I'm a different player. I feel like I, I'm in the best position I've ever felt mentally, um, my understanding of the game. Um, I feel I feel ready to get be out there and be competing, and so that's what's so frustrating and just – just not getting things done, you know, it's frustrating. And it starts with me finding a way, but, you know, I'm ready for the opportunity in the moment, and we got to find a way. Thing is, how you feel doesn't really matter a hell of a lot. Not if you're playing the same way. How you feel is one thing, but you look like pretty much the exact same dude. And if it's frustrating for you, Zach, and you feel so great, and you feel ready for the opportunity, you can imagine how frustrating it is for everybody else when you flush it right down the drain. I mean, you want to talk about an opportunity. Last night in front of the entire country, that was a great opportunity. Instead, we saw more of the exact same thing. The Coog Hunter was such a disaster last night that the Pinky cast had to cut off Arnold Schwarzenegger right in the middle of a book plug. I want to make sure that everyone kind of can read it easily and then adopt it and adopt those kind of principles. I think uh, I think those are great lessons. I think Zach Wilson might want a copy of that book after that fumble right there about knocking out the naysayers. Arnold should have been like, hey, Pinky, consider that a divorce. I'm trying to sell books. Consider that a divorce. Consider that a divorce, Pinky. Consider that a divorce. Stop interrupting me. I'm trying to sell my book. Consider that a divorce, Pinky. Consider that a divorce. Arnold missed an amazing opportunity right there to hit us with. Everybody get down. Everybody get down. Everybody down down on the ground now. Everybody get down. There's another Coog Hunter fumble. Everybody get down. down. Everybody get down down now and buy my book. Everybody get down. Get down. Get down. Buy my book. Get on the ball. Do it now. Do Do it now. Everybody get down. Hey there. Let me talk to you for a minute about HelloFresh. HelloFresh is where you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients, and seasonal recipes delivered right to your front door. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Listen, a crazy schedule can make it easy to fall back into your dinnertime recipe rut. Keep mealtime exciting with over 40 recipes to choose from every single week so there is always something delicious to discover with HelloFresh. And with so many in-season ingredients, you'll taste all the freshness of fall in every single bite of HelloFresh's chef-crafted recipes. Produce travels from the farm to your door for peak ripeness that you can taste. Given my schedule, I absolutely love HelloFresh. I love how fresh it is. I love the options it gives me. And I know that I'm eating well and it tastes incredible. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Rome and use the code 50Rome for 50% off plus free shipping. Once again, HelloFresh.com slash 50Rome. Use that code 50Rome and get 50% off plus free shipping. HelloFresh is awesome. In fact, HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. Get to the bookstore, Richter. Get to the bookstore, Richter. Get to wherever you buy your books, Richter. 
Get to Barnes and Noble, Richter. See you at the party, Richter. Get to Amazon. Get to, Get to wherever you buy your books, See Richter. You at the party, Richter. I mean, cra crazy. T <laughs> Get to wherever you buy your books, Richter. Get to the chopper. Y'all can read, right? See you at the party, Richter. <laughs> Richter. Fumble! Everybody get down! Get on that book! Everybody get down! Everybody get on that book! Crazy to think that the Jets could have had anybody else playing quarterback right about now. Instead, it seems like they're choosing to sink to the bottom of the ocean with Wilson. They're choosing to die on Coog Hunter Hill. Hell, they could have had Josh Dobbs. The Vikings got that dude for a sixth-round draft choice. Dobbs doesn't even practice. He didn't even practice. He didn't even know the guys that were in front of him. He didn't even know who he was throwing the ball to. And I bet that guy could have walked right onto the field last night without even seeing the playbook and still giving them more than the Coug Hunter did. I mean, Saul himself is obviously fed up. Did you not see what was on his face? I don't mean the beard. I mean that look. Did you not see the look on his face? My man's not exactly wearing a poker face, is he? I mean, everything that guy was feeling was right there on his face for everybody to see. Like, never mind wearing your emotions on your sleeve. How about wearing them right on your mug the entire night? Not only does he not have a poker face, look at the guy. He's telling the world he's holding look a it, pair of twos. He, That's his poker face. Look it. He's letting everybody know, I'm holding a pair of twos. I mean... You could see how frustrated he was, which makes it even more frustrating when he runs to the podium after the game to tell us that it was not Zach's worst game ever. Yeah, maybe not, but it was bad enough, Bob. Bad enough for you to get your asses kicked, even though your defense was great again. Let me put it to you this way. It was bad enough that I don't think you want to keep any of the receipts from this one. I don't know. The whole thing, like Salah, the Jets, it all started off pretty fun. Like Bob, for instance. Like, I really used to enjoy Bob's act. I did. And I want to like Bob's act again, but Bob's act is getting kind of annoying when he's telling us things like, yeah, he wasn't as best, but he certainly was not as worst. And what do you think of my new beard? Pretty much the same way I feel about that team. You know? So, well done to the Chargers for a primetime road win in a game they absolutely had to have. Well done to the Chargers, even if they actually didn't do all that much last night. But they also didn't make any crazy decisions. They didn't turn it over. They only committed four penalties. They didn't shoot themselves in the foot over and over again. They didn't implode. They didn't beat themselves. As far as the Jets, why are the best Jet highlights always before the game when Aaron walks onto the field and is tossing the rock around. Why is that always the highlight of the game? And why is a close second easily Aaron walking to the locker room and not in a golf cart or on crutches? No different last night. Honorable mention, though, is seeing Arnold feed his donkey during that Manning cast. All right, welcome back. Oh, yes. And let's oh, welcome yeah, no. an icon yes. right now, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold, what is, what is that? It, that donkey looks like you eating, Peyton. It's the same thing. All right. Yeah, I know, clones. 
What is Arnold doing with Jim in Fall River's wife? Donkey. Or why didn't Peyton and Eli let John Elway have his own segment? Thank you to John Elway. Why does a Hall of Famer have to share a segment? And yes, that donkey probably would have done a lot better than Zach. Blown the hell out. 1-800-636-8686. I'm telling you. Everybody get down. Everybody buy my book. Clones, what do you want when you're craving protein or you need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. You want beef, pure and simple. Where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper Beef Jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Old Trapper Beef Jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. It's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for its relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein. It comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest. It goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clones, if you do not see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? We are joined by quarterback Drake May. Drake, it is great to have you back, man. How are you? Yes, sir. What's going on? I'm doing well. How about you? Doing great. It's good to visit with you. Thanks for making time. Let me first ask you, what was it like to mix in a non-conference game to start November and then to go out and dominate the way they did, you did, the way you did against Campbell this past Saturday? Yes, sir. Yeah, I think it's a a big confidence booster. I think, um, you know, it's that. Yeah, at times, you know, it's a little bit you know, tough when you're facing, you know, tough ACC opponents um, for weeks on end. And then uh, you face the FC, FCS opponent. Um, you got to bring your own energy and it wasn't as, you know, packed, packed crowd. And uh, maybe a team you know you're better than just got to you know, execute ourselves and um, kind of, you know, play the standard of, of our team. So uh, we got three big ones um, left remaining. And uh, we know they're, you know, they're big games to end off the season and we want to finish it off right. So I think it's a you know big confidence booster, you know, for us going forward. Right. So looking ahead, Drake, let me ask you, that win came after a couple of back-to-back losses to Virginia and Georgia Tech by a total of just eight points. So how do you feel about where the team is right now and how the season has gone overall? Yes, sir. You know, I think Post Brown's preaching a three-game season. I think we're amped for that. Now, you know, first one starting with the rival Duke. You know, anytime you know you're Carolina, um, just a, a member of Carolina family or you know an athlete, you know, you gotta you know beat Duke. You know, so you know fight for that victory bell. And uh, we got a big one at home. Um, you know, Senior Day last one in Keenan. So um, it's going to be a big opportunity for us to kind of make a statement. We're talking to Drake. Me, I want to ask you about a few of those things you just mentioned. So you get ready to take on Duke, and obviously it's a major rivalry matchup. Despite losing their star quarterback, Riley Leonard, man, they're still battling now. They're fighting. They've won six games. What is the biggest challenge that Mike Elko's defense presents, and what do you think that game ultimately comes down to? Yes, sir. Yeah, you know, Coach Elko, second year with them. Um, I thought, you know, that defensively they were – you know, pretty strong last year. Um, so just another year under his belt. Um, they bring a lot of different things. Uh, they're multiple. Um, they're really good up front. They got their four guys um, back. And 
Uh, I think Coach Elko did a nice job, especially on third down, mixing some stuff up, bringing some guys. Um, I think, you know, they heat you up, you know, as a quarterback. They're going to bring dash guys from different places and uh, mix up the coverage behind. So, uh, at the end of the day, we got winner one-on-one battles outside and uh, just find a way to, you know, establish the run and um, just find ways to, you know, exploit them. Drake May joining us. Drake, you mentioned that it's senior night. I know you have not yet made any final decisions about your future, but considering that it is senior night and, I mean, potentially it might be your final home game in Chapel Hill, you'll see. However, what kind of emotions do you think might be running through you when you hit the field on Saturday night? No doubt. You know, anytime, you know, in Keenan for a night game, um, rivals going to be rocking. And uh, this, you know, this, this university has meant, meant the world to me and uh, just, you know, my dream come, dream come true playing quarterback here. Um, so glad to have a chance to, you know, get back at it against a rival. And uh, like I said, n- nothing's having to declare anything. So uh, you never know, could be back next year. So just a time for, you know, those seniors um, that are seniors to, you know, enjoy them and celebrate them and uh, get back after, you know, uh, big ACC rival. So, Dre, quick follow on that. Like, you might be back next year or you might not be. You are a projected top 10 NFL draft pick. I get it. I understand it's all about what's in front of you. It's all about team goals. But have you allowed yourself to think about the NFL and how are you approaching that process? Yes, sir. I think it's tough. You know, obviously, yeah, you hear the you know guys coming up to you or, um, you know, whether it's social media or uh, just trying to, you know, block that out and focus on, um, you know, these last three games, you know, one game at a time. Um, but at the end of the day, that's stuff when you're working yourself out after the season. And I'm just blessed to be this opportunity to, to maybe be able to play and, and uh, live out my dream of playing the NFL. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we got work left in college to do and, uh, you know, make that decision afterwards. Hey, Drake, I got to ask you about your family, man. Your family's something else. For instance, your father, Mark, played quarterback for the Tar Heels in the 80s. Your older brother, Luke, was on the North Carolina Hoops team. They won a national title in 2017. Another one of your brothers, Cole, won a natty playing baseball at Florida. I mean, it may all seem normal to you because you don't know any different, but to me, it's incredible. Like, what was it like growing up in such an athletic, competitive family? Yes, sir. You know, I think I was blessed to be the youngest of, you know, four boys um, getting beat up on. Um, I was the run. I was, well, they were all about six, five or so when I was just getting to middle school and I was still like five, 10 and I hit a late growth spurt. So I uh, just getting bullied and just trying to find my way to, um, you know, whether run around them or uh, just find a way to compete with them. And I think it was, you know, blessed to have, you know, two on two, a built in two on two all the time and uh, never having, you know, anybody that not wanted to, you know, play a sport or, or do something to compete. And, uh, and nowadays we don't get as rough and, and physical is afraid you're going to hurt somebody, but you know, it was so good after and things like golf and stuff. So just a uh, blessing, you know, my parents did, I thought they did a great job raising us and uh, just, you know, uh, anytime you got three older brothers, you know, I think you got your work cut out for you. And uh, I think they really prepared me for uh, just adversity in life and uh, just playing no doubt listen before we go a couple of things i spoke to your coach mac brown last or in late september he made it really clear that he was hoping that the ncaa would do the right thing and restore the eligibility of receiver tez walker after transferring from kent state that finally happened last month he caught a couple of td passes on saturday what does it meant to have him on the field the last five games Oh, he's a, he's an explosive receiver. You know, anytime you got a guy like him outside, you know, he makes my job easier. Just put it near him. Um, he's gonna make a play, and uh, you know, he's been big time for us. I think I need to try to give him the ball more. Um, he's so explosive, and uh, you know, he's such an underrated route runner. He can run by you, and uh, you know, he's just a you know, the athlete. He's a big dude, six three, and uh, just loves football. Always asks me to watch extra film and, and catch extra balls at the practice. So he's just a he's just a you know, practice hard, and he's a gamer. He's a dude.
He's a dude, and you got to love it that he wants you to stay late and watch film. Listen, they don't they pay me not to play favorites, right? So I never, ever play favorites, ever. That said, Mac Brown has always been one of my favorites. He raved about you on this show, about you personally, about your work ethic. How would you describe your relationship with Mac, and what's he like to play for? Yeah, Coach Brown, he's the ultimate player's coach. Um, he's the best um, you know, at, at taking care of us. Um, does everything for us. That's the reason he came back to, to coach for us and, and uh, you know, make everything really around the facility, you know, the updates or just caring for us. Um, he's the best with names. He remembers everybody's name. Remember my grandparents' name. He's met once or twice. And uh, um, he's just, you know, it does everything, like I said, for us. And it's all about us. And, you know, just the tenure he's had, you know, as, you know, whether it's his time here or at Texas, um, he's winning. He's a winner. And all he does is care about is winning. And, uh, he's a, you know, it's awesome to play for and, and just looking forward to, you know, having – you know, playing him, playing for him um, one more time this season under Keenan. Hey, Trick, one last thought. You look around the nation, there's a lot of really good quarterbacks right now. In, in fact, this year, there's a ton of great quarterback play. You got Caleb Williams and Michael Penix squared off this past weekend. I mean, I know you're worried about your thing, but do you find yourself tracking the other marquee quarterbacks around the country and what they're into and how they're doing? Yes, sir. I think you find yourself, you know, watch some highlights or um, seeing a big game from the guys. And there's been a lot of great, you know, top top 25 matchups and conference games this past year um, over the over the year. So uh, Caleb's a good friend of mine, um, you know, watching him do his thing. And obviously me and Bo, uh, Bo Nix do it out in the bowl game last year. So i um, got to know a lot of these guys and a lot of them are, are making you know lots of plays and I look forward to seeing, you know, seeing, you know, us do our thing in crunch time when it matters. It's a blast. The the guys season. making a lot of plays, putting a lot of points up. You've got the Tar Heels there, 7-2 and two once again, 3-2, and two, and they got a big one coming up this weekend, a rivalry game against Duke. Their quarterback is Drake May. Drake, really appreciate you making time for us and coming back on the program, especially on this, a very big week. Great to talk to you, Drake. Thanks so much. Yes, sir. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me on, and go Heels. U.S. Cellular knows how important your kid's relationship with technology is, and they have made it their mission to help them establish good digital habits early on. That's why they have partnered with Screen Sanity, a nonprofit dedicated to helping kids navigate the digital landscape. And for a smarter start to the school year, U.S. Cellular is also offering a free basic phone on new eligible lines, providing an alternative to a smartphone for kids. Start smarter with U.S. Cellular. Visit uscellular.com slash built for us to find out more. Restrictions do apply. Visit uscellular.com for terms. I'm talking about Bruce Feldman. Bruce, always good to have you on. Bruce, how are you? Doing great, Jim. Good to be on with you. Good to have you, Bruce. So why don't we start with the Big Ten and Michigan. The latest is the Big Ten reportedly has formally notified Michigan, Bruce, of possible impending disciplinary action in connection to the school's stealing, sign-stealing scandal. Can you break that down for us, and what kind of potential discipline might we be talking about here? Well, so there's signal stealing that is pretty widespread around the sport of college football but what that really is is stuff that goes on in game and it's stuff that that staff may gather from analyzing tv copy of that nature where this story with michigan has reached into a different threshold is it involves advanced scouting and in-person scouting where a now former michigan staffer Connor Stallions had there's been documentation that he had been either dispatching or done himself people to act as scouts 
and scout uh, opponents to try to get their signals as opposed to this being a more of an in-game thing. And that's where it has reached it into a different threshold. And also from all the reporting on this, it seems like it has been kind of a sloppy, uh, left a sloppy paper trail, to be honest. Now, the questions that the Big Ten and Commissioner Tony Petiti are trying to sort out is did Michigan, because there's an NCAA investigation going on, but that's not going to play out at the time frame where this could impact this season, where the other Big Ten coaches and ADs are up in arms. They want action now. They do not want Michigan, which obviously is a, you know, a legit national title contender this year, to not be impacted right now as this is going on as if, hey, we won't be able to do anything about this till down the road. They want action now. I think there is a lot of chatter about, well, will Tony Petiti end up suspending Jim Harbaugh for the actions of one of his former staffers in Connor Stallions? And it's within the NCAA's rules that now if you're a head coach, you're responsible for what, even if you have big, big staff, even if you may not have, it may not be proven that you actually had direct knowledge of this ahead of time, uh, you're still responsible for the actions of this. And this didn't happen in a vacuum either because, remember, Harbaugh served a three-game self-imposed sanctions as part of another NCAA ongoing investigation regarding um, recruiting violations during the COVID dead period. So this is really messy. I think, you know, from our reporting at The Athletic, we expect that the Big Ten may hand down some form of a punishment to Harbaugh in Michigan within the next 24 hours. Bruce Feldman is joining us. Bruce, a lot of really good information in that. So if the Big Ten does act and they do come down within the next 24 hours with some sort of punishment, what punishment would you expect? What punishment fits that crime? It's a great question because there's not really precedent for, for this directly related to this. Does that mean Jim Harbaugh gets suspended for the rest of the regular season? You know, Michigan's season is basically this week at Penn State, then they play Maryland, but then it's obviously the huge game against Ohio State and Ann Arbor Thanksgiving weekend. If they sit, if he has to sit out for those three games, um, I think there's a part of this that's like, okay, do, do you do anything that punishes the players and the team? Now, obviously, you could argue that Jim Harbaugh not being their coach certainly would punish the players, but at least it's not like a postseason ban on the team the the challenge here i think as this plays out is going to be the university of michigan being ready for this to have a to get some kind of injunction temporary restraining order and they push back and that means will will it hold up will jim harbaugh still be able to coach because i think some of the things that will be argued was you know, the NCAA is not doing anything about this right now. You know, how much proof and is this concrete evidence? If the NCAA is not going to act, why is the Big Ten jumping in? How have they, you know, they don't have their own investigators. Have they independently corroborated all this that the NCAA has gotten? Um, you know, there's, there's just a lot of layers to this. It is really messy for the new commissioner of the Big Ten there's a lot of heat coming from on all sides right now. 
And, of course, there will be lawyers. Bruce Feldman is joining us right now. Bruce, if you had to guess, if you had to speculate, how do you think all of this is going to impact Harbaugh's future at Michigan? My guess, and this is just this, Jim, is that he's going to try to end up leaving to go to the NFL if he can get get a landing spot. Remember, he was obviously a really good coach in the NFL. He's not one of these guys who leaves for college and it's just kind of a wild guess how he's going to do. I mean, he did a really good job with the 49ers before he came back to college football. You have a couple of factors that lead me to, I know there's been plenty of talk inside Michigan and around Michigan that Jim Harbaugh and the, the new president there thinks very highly of him and they have a good relationship and that they're going to try to do some kind of extension down the road. The reason why I'm very skeptical that he won't try to leave is because this team, you know, he told me in the summer, he thinks they have 20 guys on this team who will end up getting drafted and set the NFL draft record for most players off one team. That's a lot of dudes to leave, and you'd have to replace next year. You have, as I mentioned, this contentious relationship with the NCAA from another case already hanging over his and Michigan's head. Now you're going to have this case, which seems to be very, you know, very sticky and messy for Michigan as well. Another thing, I just don't know how Michigan and Jim Harbaugh come out of this on the other side, looking at past this season and seeing, okay, yeah, Jim Harbaugh, if he has now, look, maybe he can't get another NFL job. As good as his track record was in the NFL, you know, he interviewed with the Vikings two years ago. It was a disastrous interview from what I heard. You know, there was talks with the Broncos last year, and that deal didn't end up getting done. So will he just take whatever he can to, to, to make a move to go away? My guess is that would be a more likely scenario than him riding it out where the future looks a lot shakier going coming out of all this now if he stays in Michigan. We are talking to Bruce Feldman. Bruce, let me ask you something. You know, based on your reporting and the coaches you've spoken to, like how serious are the alleged actions in the sense that how much of an advantage would you get if this whole thing were actually true? And then as a second part of that, this alleged scandal, how big a part did it play in their turnaround since 2021? Yeah, so uh, my colleague and I at the Athletic, Max Olson, we ended up doing an extensive coach survey this past week we talked to 50 different coaches from every conference in in major college football to really get a sense of what they believe and overwhelmingly feel like michigan and jim harbaugh if these actions are as they purport to be need to get punished for this they felt it was very serious some when we asked them you know how big an advantage some said they thought it was worth you know, three, a three-touchdown difference to have not just run and pass but know the exact plays that are coming. doesn't mean that, you know, Michigan doesn't have a lot of talent uh, on top of it, but it was just such a blatant advantage compared to what the norm usually is. Now, there's other coaches we talked to who's like, hey, we've heard some instances of some similar things that have gone on around coaching in college football, they are not as wide. They are not as elaborate as what it appears Michigan was doing, but there were maybe smaller scale operations where somebody spied on a walkthrough or somebody attended a spring game and, and got, tried to get somebody's signals, those things. But then, you know, we asked on a scale of one to 10 in the, in the lexicon of college football cheating, just how egregious is this? 
and it came in largely around a seven or an eight. The, the, there was one thing that a, that a few coaches thought was much worse, and they they pointed out they thought it, what's worse is the tampering that is going on now where coaches will get players to try to go into the transfer portal with the expectation they are going to get paid money through NIL. And they said that to them is a lot, is a lot worse than this. But, you know, almost across the board, you know, I think it was 48 of the 50 coaches we talked to thought on a scale of one to five and, you know, how serious this is. Only two of those 50 coaches thought it was under a three, and the majority thought it was a four or a five. Interesting. Bruce Feldman joining us. Bruce, before I let you go, let me ask you this. What do you make of that Associated Press report yesterday that other conference teams were colluding to steal signs from the Wolverines? What's your reaction to that report, and how does that factor in? Yeah, we, the Athletic, we've been doing some reporting on this into this story the last few days from our sources that we've talked to colluding is something that you know it can go on where coaches share information about other teams they played the things we're finding is that this what what was gone on here was more of the stuff that i had told you before earlier you know in this conversation that it was stuff that worked out where it was like kind of above board stuff as much as the signal stealing goes that this didn't fall into the category of you know somebody going on somebody's campus snoop and spy and and do things like that this was more things that they had gathered in game and then put it together and shared it with people who were who were facing michigan and you know on on the one hand that looks pretty bad too but according to a lot of the coaches we talked to that is more in line with what is accepted practice as opposed to somebody you know traveling to other people's games and, and kind of doing the spying on them, that they feel like that crossed the line, whereas this in question they feel like doesn't cross the line. So, Bruce, really quickly, one last thought, and I really appreciate your time. You've been great on this. Stallions issued a statement through his attorney saying that neither Jim Harbaugh nor any of his coaches were aware of any improper conduct. Like, and to your point, that may or may not be material to the NCAA because it is his program. But do you personally believe that he didn't know? And then if he didn't know, is it because he didn't want to know? Yeah. You know, talking to a lot of coaches, they feel like, you know what, there's some things that they don't know that goes on in their building because it's just so many. So the operations are so big and maybe there is a plausible deniability factor that goes in. The part that is hard to get around, and, you know, again, you see the optics of Stallions talking to, you know, to defensive coordinator and and coordinators as they're about to make a play call, and you're like, man, he is so involved in this. Now, it was no secret that that Hunter Stallions believed and people inside the program who've been around him believed he had a, you know, an uncanny knack for decoding signals. And I think if you just take it at face value and say, okay, this guy went to the Naval Academy and had a different military, different level of a, of a background in terms of the military expertise and training than most people who are in coaching in college football. So maybe you sit there and go, okay, well, Connor's really good at this, and this is why, as opposed to did you know he was going to some of these lengths that he's reported to have gone in terms of sending people to games to to scout for him and to scout for Michigan. 
I mean, you know, it, it, the the thing that, you know, watching this story unfold kind of in real time is you look at some of this and go, man, if they were this elaborate, would they have actually been this sloppy in how they would have in not covering their tracks? This seems like it would be something that, like, you know, if you were really doing it, you would have been a, you would have been a lot more careful in terms of that. So I don't know. I mean, my my gut is just on face value is like you have to think more than just one guy would have known that some other people inside the program would have had to have some knowledge of this. But there's also a piece of this where it's like, can you say without a shadow of a doubt? I mean. I don't know. The, I don't know if I if I could say that can you know conclusively on that. You know the words. It looks bad though, Jim. I yeah, mean, the, it looks bad. The optics are not bad. good. But in other words, to your point, Bruce, plausible deniability. He is a national college football insider for the Athletic. Also, he is a college football reporter for Fox Sports. Bruce didn't mean to keep you so long, but that is so fascinating, and I really do appreciate the insight. Great to have you back on, Bruce. Have a great day, and thanks so much for that. That was great. Always a pleasure, Jim. Thanks for having me. You too, Bruce Feldman. Let's go to Santa Barbara. John in Santa Barbara. Good to have you, John. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm a fellow gaucho. Proud of you, what you've done. Thank you very much. Good and, to have you. Uh, you know, it's great. Um, I'm in Louisville now, and I was amazed at how uh, Rick Pitino in that big scandal where uh, they had an assistant working to bring in prostitutes to uh, recruit basketball players. Their father prostitution. And, um, but, you know, Slick Rick was able to get out of it and said, I knew nothing about it. And they cannot provide the emails or the evidence. It was just, and that's why I think uh, Jim, who I'm a big fan of, will get out of it. I mean, I go to these football games all the time and I see the signals and everything like that. And, you know, you pretty much know what's going to happen at third and one. It's going to be a run around the right. Pretty much going to be a third and six. So that's my, that's my, uh, statement but i just wanted to say hello jim ucsb is proud of you buddy i appreciate you john very much always good to hear from a gaucho fellow gaucho let's go to louisiana logan you are next up logan what's going on how are you hey jim i'm doing great how you doing good good hey talking about this michigan scandal um so this guy connor's it's his dream to be Michigan's head football coach. Like, that's his thats his whole thing, his whole life. And don't you think it would benefit him more if he went rogue, did his thing, and everybody thinks he's just brilliant, rather than he's going, recording, getting his information? I mean, he's looking at the longevity of his career. Like, what would help his career more? You know, so him going do his thing and getting all these signals. Now everybody's thinking, hey, this Connors guy, he's the man. You know, he know, you know, he got like you said, he has this this gift. You know, so I think it's more believable that he would do that to, you know, give himself a better opportunity to become the head coach one day. Good night now.